2011, I was I developed atrial fibrillation and went into we were living in Dunedin at that time and and uh, went into Dunedin Hospital and uh, you know the usual kind of carry on with with ED and that sort of thing and at three in the morning the cardiology registrar came round and he was a very kind of slightly pompous English bloke <laughs> and uh, he said to me. Hello, I'm I'm James. I'm the I'm a medical doctor, and I so I said to him, Oh, hello. I said, I'm Campbell. I'm a medical professor, <laughs> and he said, Oh shit. <laughs> so. Welcome to episode 8 of Dogography. You might have already noticed that this is a bit of a bumper episode and that's because we had just too much, too many stories, too much advice and wisdom and too much goodness to cut it down to normal size. Today's interview is with Campbell Murdoch who was the head of the Rural Clinical School from 2002 to 2007 at the inception of the Rural Clinical School. He then stayed on for two years as the Winthrop Professor of Rural and Remote Medicine and then returned to general practice in New Zealand and is now based in Blenheim in Marlborough. He graduated MB from the University of Glasgow in 1966 and became a GP near Glasgow in 1968. In 1977, he moved to an academic position in Dundee and then he moved to New Zealand as the country's first Professor of General Practice in 1983. After occupying chairs in family medicine and primary care medicine in the UAE and Malaysia, he finally became a rural doctor in 1998 in Winton, Southland, New Zealand. I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed spending time talking to Campbell. He's definitely one of a kind and I think he's set the RCS um, up with great things in mind and and hopefully we're honouring that legacy um, as we grow and do good things. Enjoy. Not an MC meeting goes by where you don't get quoted. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, Welcome to Docography. You're a bit of a living legend in WA. Can you tell us who you are and and a bit about your your history? Well, um, my name is Campbell Murdoch and uh, I uh, uh, came to Kalgoorlie in... Uh, 2002, uh, in fact, I, I came first of all in 2001. I mean, the whole story of how I'm, I actually ended, quotes, ended up in Calgary is very interesting. Uh, I, w- I graduated from Glasgow and uh, medical school in 1966. Uh, went into general practice um, in 1968 in a, a sub, suburb of Glasgow. I uh, was there for nine years, uh, then moved to Dundee, where I was a senior lecturer in general practice. And then I went, came to Dunedin and New Zealand as the foundation professor of general practice in the country. Uh, that was in 1983. Then went to, you know, 
and New Zealand is a very small uh, country, as you probably know. And uh, I don't know how people could survive long term in a in a, an academic position, but I decided that eight years. I'd always always said that I thought eight or nine years was enough in a position of responsibility. Uh, so. In 1992, I moved to the United Arab Emirates. Uh, that's where the dean called Leddingham came in. Um, and uh, I was there for five years. Uh, left the Emirates in uh, 97, I guess it must have been. And uh, moved to uh, Malaysia, where I was... Uh, went to a new medical school that was being developed by the University of Sheffield. But after about uh, a year or 18 months, that all kind of fell apart. Uh, the Asian downturn and lots of politics, which is it's not, it's not a great story, but there we are. So the, the question then was what to do next. So I came back to New Zealand. We both decided that we didn't want to go anywhere else. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we'd travelled the world. Annie always says how um, uh, I've taken her to the most outlandish places uh, in the course of our marriage. <laughs> and, uh, um, you'll find that I've got very old-fashioned uh, vocabulary. I remember, I'm trying to remember the coordinator. I was in Broome. Uh, I was doing some talk and I talked. I talked about husbands and wives, and she said, Campbell, these are all very old-fashioned terms, but no, I'm just old-fashioned. So we, um, was that? yes, so we decided to, uh, I decided to stay in New Zealand and uh, applied for a job as a GP in a place called Winton, not the, not the Australian one, the one in Southland. I uh, decided I would go back to the beginning, as it were, so... I went into a very busy practice with uh, intrapartum obstetrics and all this sort of thing. I'd always said that uh, being a professor of general practice, you, you you always kept yourself in the real world. And, you know, that I knew what it was like to be a busy GP and do all the things that other GPs did. Found out within about two or three weeks how wrong that was. <laughs> 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 the cold face is quite different <laughs> and um, went on the, and, and, and did that for three years uh, in the second year I got this in fact probably before that I went to a in 2000 I went to a, a, the Wonka Asia Pacific Conference in Christchurch and um, I, I met up with uh, uh, the dean of the medical school in Queensland, um, whose name quite quite uh, escapes me. Lots of names escape me these days. Um, and he said, have you ever thought of, of coming to a rural clinical school? <laughs> and I, sort of, I said, oh, no, what's that? And he sort, of, uh, he sort of told me, and I thought, oh, that's very interesting. You know, it's really kind of I'd always said after I'd given up academia so three years before that I'd never go back to that all these um, you know these medical 
those schools are really kind of funny places. <laughs> Remember, I, I told the Lou Landau, who was the dean of uh, UWA, when I got there, he was the first dean I had ever met who wasn't either uh, a psychopath or a personality disorder. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the, uh, you probably have to edit this, by the way. You know, so he said to me, you know, think about it. And I, so I, I got, got interested. In, and then the next thing that happened was I, get, I got a phone call from Phil Reed and Cal Gurley, of all people. I mean, Phil and, and yeah, um, uh, phoned me up with the um, Vivian Duggan, who was the uh, CEO. You'll know Vivian. Yeah, yep. Vivian's working with us again. CEO of the, of the division, as it was called in these days. And, and, and uh, so this, uh, have you ever thought of uh, coming to a rural clinical school? And I thought, <laughs> how did you know who I was? <laughs> and it turned out that uh, this is a really interesting story, and it's one of the great joys of general practice. About... Oh, in 1980, in the, in the 1980s, I was very interested in a thing called chronic fatigue syndrome that you may have heard of. And I be, kind of became a, a sort of national expert. It was one of these kind of, it was one of these interesting situations. I arrived in Dunedin and I was, they came to interview me from the Otago Daily Times. And at the same time, there was a thing called, have you heard of the Tapanui flu? New Zealand. Have you you got New Zealand connections? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, there was a thing got in a place called Tapanui in South in Otago, and they had this great controversy about this thing called Tapanui flu, which was really chronic fatigue syndrome or ME. <coughs> and of course, when the reporter came to interview me, uh, he said. Uh, what do you think about Tapanui flu? Do you think it's uh, you think it's a real illness, or do you think it's just people who are sort of um, uh, pretending to be ill? I said, so I kind of gave him the right answer and said, I thought it was an important thing to be sorted out, and that started a, a huge sort of you know became a kind of national expert, and a person in um, Balclutha, which is just down the road from, or uh, Milton, just down the road from Dunedin, came to see me with a family. I don't know if you've ever, I don't know, you've probably seen notes of her, Harriet in the RCS kind of, you go into the, down the cellar and all this stuff. One of the, one of the names that will come up. And Harriet was, at that time, was basically a housewife. I thought she was totally crazy at the time. <laughs> anyway, Harriet, Harriet uh, frightened me to death, uh, and uh, but she became a patient, and and for some reason she got a lot better, and and she was doing a degree in, in I think it was theology of all things, and uh, over the course of time she came to me and she said, you know, the uh, the Department of Labour or Winds or whatever it was 
said to me, if I, if you could give me a job, I would uh, get, they would pay my salary for a year. <laughs> and, and that was a difficult situation to sort out. But eventually I did take her on. And this, the long, the short, you know, the, the, the short story is that over the course of the rest of my time in Dunedin, she did a PhD uh, and she sort of, we did quite a lot of research together. She moved on to Hawke's Bay and then over to WA and worked for the college in Perth as a sort of uh, education sort of consultant. Was visiting Carl Gurley and was talking to Vivian Duggan about the Rural Clinical School. This is all quite without my knowledge. And, and uh, Vivian was saying, oh, you know, we've got this great thing, the Rural Clinical School. We're looking for a prof someone who's a professor who will come to Kalgoorlie and head it up. And, and uh, Harriet said to him, what about Campbell? <laughs> and so that was the reason why Vivian and, and uh, Phil phoned me up. So if you know Phil particularly, I mean, the, 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 I always say that the interesting thing was that the first, uh, when I came over on this visit to Kalgoorlie and for some good reason, they, they flew me into Kalgoorlie first of all, before I went to Perth. And uh, on the night, what, first night or second night, um, Jeff Riley was there, give, you know, giving a dinner talk in Carl Gurley. And, and the thing I really kind of firmed up, I always remembered Charlie Naden, whom you, you'll, have you met Charlie? He's now in Bunbury. He's, a, he's still a GP in Islet. He was a GP in Carl Gurley. And, and I, they obviously liked the jokes that I told. And uh, I always remember Charlie saying in this meeting, well, he says, we're going to make sure you're appointed to this job. <laughs> and if, you, if you're not going to have anything to do with them, the clinical, real clinical school <laughs> in Carl Gurley. So anyway, um, then I went down to Perth and then I met all the kind of what I would call the quotes, Hyhedians, uh, who, um, as a good Scottish term, Hyhedians. Uh, and, uh, you know, then I, that led to me being offered a temporary position. They gave me, they gave me six months to sort of see, could come and see what it was like. And that first year we had I think it was six final year medical students who did, um, uh, I think it was eight, I think eight weeks or something like that. And we had a, a really interesting group of people. Uh, the, um, Sarah, uh, Sarah who's now in, yeah, in Bustleton. Uh, that's right. Uh, and uh, there was James, uh, the, the brilliant James, who came to Broome. Um, Fitzpatrick. James, the yes, the, he'll be he would be horrified if he knew. So I didn't remember his name. 
I went to Broome and then went people on Port Hedland and we had uh, two in Geraldton, I think, as well. And um, and it went it went swimmingly well, and uh, yeah, and the rest they say is history. Fabulous. Well, that's a good intro to to you know why you're why you're a guest on Docography. What are some of the high points of of your career? Western Australia was the high point of my career. You know that that was the real. I mean, the great thing about it, it was a long career. The years between uh, 2002 and probably 2000, and, well, it was 2010 when I came back to, to Dunedin, they were, were they, they were the highlights. There was no doubt about it. Um, and what do you think made them the highlights? What was the best part of that whole adventure, getting the RCS off the ground? I think it was, there were so many things that were really, it was like kind of all the, uh, you know, ever. The, the stars were in, you know, kind of in parallel with each other. You know, you had you were a well-funded program, uh, great people to work with. Uh, you know, just uh, just the whole thing was was ready to go. I mean, it was just it was like um, uh, you know. Uh, there's no reason why it shouldn't work well mm. and it did and of course a lot of the previous experiences were uh, had been situations where you were really uh, on an uphill kind of struggle to get accepted uh, within within a medical school uh, but WA in these these days was just it was just uh, ready to go. I mean, even the traditional sort of reluctance of uh, uh, academic departments to have a new a new kid on the block there. I mean, lots of that was taken away by the fact that the the numbers went up at that point. You know, the numbers of students to be educated. So before they would have said, "Oh, we're not going to let you in and take away all our money." Uh, from 2002 to 2006 or so, it was oh great, someone's going to come to take the students away, mm. you know. Um, so it was all just that whole combination of factors that kind of just uh, the stars were in alignment, uh, and you know that, that was great. Wonderful, and it's still going strong. We've 15 sites now. And yeah. uh, 110 students, I think I might have that wrong, but somewhere in the vicinity. So. Yeah, and that's right. And to, to, to people, we've got to remember that originally the, the deal was we had we had to have students in Kalgoorlie, Geraldton, Port Hedland, and Broome. You know, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there was this. It was like, and then we had. Uh, at that time, there was a great problem. What do we do about uh, Notre Dame? You know, uh, and um, that was an interesting story. And I, I think recently you've had the same issue with Curtin, haven't you? Yeah, we've got three that, universities now. That, that's all. Yeah, I noticed that on the yeah. on the the uh, uh, 
on the sort of website thing. Uh, so that's, I mean, I think that was, it was just the, the fact that, and, and even the, the people who were difficult, I, there was almost a kind of formula which said that, I mean, the first, when I came at first, and the first job was to go around all the departments and tell them who I was and, you know, <laughs> say, say to them, ask them what they thought I should be doing. You know, <laughs> of course, I had no intention of doing anything of what they asked me because, <laughs> but it was always good to put it in that form. And the one I remember so clearly was Ian Ian Puddy, who was at that time who was the uh, chair of medicine and um, pharmacology. You know, so the, the big guru in the in the teaching hospital. And um, Ian so very solemnly told me that a rural clinical school will never work in Western Australia. And I hope he's able to see this, uh, this tape, to see this tape. He said, I'll never work. And I said, well, why not? And he said, because the hospitals are not big enough in these areas that you're going into. And, you know, that was, and I thought, you know, you, you're sitting there and you're saying, well, hmm, this is going to be interesting. And and the technique there was just to say, uh, Professor Puddy, we're, we're having an examination in Calgary for the students. Um, you think you could come up and help us with that? <laughs> and, you know, and he just got blown away. I mean, he, sort of, he became our biggest... Uh, Ally. I mean, we, Lou Landau had been wonderful. He was he was the marvelous person who made it all happen in terms of. And yeah, I don't know if you've ever met Lou, have you? But he's yeah. he's such an amazing guy. He sits there with the totally inscrutable. You know, you almost wonder if he's going to sleep. But behind it all is this kind of amazing sort of uh, person who's and and he was just great. And uh, and then Ian uh, succeeded him, and he was by that time he was totally captive, you know. <laughs> and, and there was all these people, and the, the people who were, I mean, oncology was the other one. I mean, there was the the final year course in these days. The, the people we had most problems with were were oncology and pediatrics, you know, and. Uh, Oncology, as they'd said, well, it's going to be very, this is going to be very difficult. And I, would, I said, well, what's going to be the difficult bit? Well, we want them to have an, ex, uh, have a, an experience of patients who, who die, who, who are dying. And I said, I said, oh, I think we can arrange that. No <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> shortage of people in, in Broome and Calgary. Could die. I'm sure students all get very good. You know, it was kind of um, pediatrics said were very interesting about it, and they said things like, "This is the only pediatrics our students are going to have," and 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 the rural clinical school is going to. We're not taking any responsibility for what happens to these students. You know, and, and we had one of our early students who came to me very 
upset one day and she lived next door to a pediatrician in Perth or something like that. Something. And she had said, he'd said to her, what are you doing in sixth year? And she said, I'm going to the rural clinical school. Or was it fifth year? I can't remember. Fifth year, I'm going to the rural clinical school. Um, so I won't be seeing you in pediatrics. And he said, oh, oh, yes, you will. Because if you're doing pediatrics in the rural clinical school, you'll not pass the year. So we'll see you next year. <laughs> All these encouragements to, <laughs> to be ruined. <laughs> so, and it kind of, you can, you probably can detect in me this, still like still a kind of excitement about it all yeah <laughs> retrospective excitement it was great fun and did you just see the naysayers as um more motivation to do oh, well absolutely you know, yeah the, the the thing that was the thing that we established early on and and it was and the, the great secret of the, the the rural clinical school it wasn't just the money and the the unity. It was that we went we went to all these places. Every time we went to a, a new place in Western Australia, we found these wonderful people that we call medical coordinators, who had been and and the the, the great thing about them was that they were were all brilliant. They were they were great doctors. Uh, they had been in the community for you know, X years. So they were totally dug in uh, and and they, um, so it just, just went. And you think, and we went to all these places where nobody had made any plans for like Esperance and Albany and, you know, Bunbury and, um, you know, all sorts of uh, Narragin <laughs> uh, and, and since then, you've, you've been to, you know, uh, the Midwest, what they, what the, what's the, uh, York. And, and Northern. Northern. And, yeah. and, you know, there's obviously Kananara and, and, and places like that. And, and it was just a matter of, of um, you know, it, 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 it was a natural thing to just get, um, involved in community and and in uh, Aboriginal health again was a wonderful kind of uh, success story as far as I was concerned and I'm sure it is still research I mean that was the other thing research you know the, we, we managed to get I, I managed to, to negotiate with the Commonwealth that they would they, they were stupid enough to send out some sort of um, paper that said that, you know, uh, research wasn't going to be part of uh, what we did as a rural clinical school. And I sort of challenged us and got it challenged at a national level. And, and I said to them, well, come on now, how much, you go how much are you going to give us for research? And... They didn't know anything about it, so <laughs> I guided them towards a figure of about ten percent of the total budget, which was a lot of money. <laughs> so, I, I, and a, a coordinators meeting, coordinators meeting, 
I uh, I said to the assembled group, who were, again, who were a, a total inspiration, you know, okay, we're coming up, we're going to do this research thing, I've managed to do this. I'd like to have a, a, your um, a proposal by a couple of weeks' time. So what did we get, David? <laughs> From, from Broome. Uh, we got Christine from the Western Desert. <laughs> we got Charlie from Charlie Greenfield from from uh, Geraldton. And, uh, you know, eventually we got um, what's her name? It's down in Albany. Um, Kirsten? Kirsten, you know. Yeah. And that's another, another of the wonderful stories. But it must really write. But this, this, there must be. We must get this all written down somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's 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 all going to be forgotten otherwise. I mean, Kirsten, that was a good example of, you know, one of the brightest stars in the medical school comes and says, "My husband's a vet and he's going to Albany. What? <laughs> what can we do about that?" <laughs> sure. Or we can do something about it, <laughs> you know. And, and and that just again brings these wonderful stuff. These all these great people, like Richard, Richard Turner, that uh, um, Phil Reed calls the Colonel, <laughs> <laughs> and you know all these people that have have kind of come out of come, uh, yeah, they've come out of the woodwork, <laughs> yeah. You know, and and sort of of carried on the, uh, and that again was one of the great um, joys and also one of the great uh, kind of motivators and was that coordinators meeting mm. you know and I'm, I'm sure it's still the same now I mean I never bothered about anybody in the medical school as long as I could go to that coordinators meeting and get support Yeah, uh, it just didn't matter after that yeah, it's still, I mean, I think one of the best things about the RCS is that it's a real can-do attitude. Like the team, you know, whatever the challenge is, we'll, we'll, we'll rise to it somehow. We'll figure out a way. This is, yeah. you know, and there's never a doubt that we can do these things that we're That's asked right. to do. And it's not just the the, acad the academics. It's, it goes right down. I mean, there's Rhonda, for example. I mean... Um, when we we arrived in in Kalgoorlie uh, at the beginning of May in nineteen in two thousand and two, and I always remember we we had been at this conference in rural health conference in Melbourne. That was the kind of my introduction to Australia, and um, the um, so we arrived on a Saturday night into Kalgoorlie, and. Uh, uh, you know, we, we got a, uh, 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 we went to this motel in Kalgoorlie. I think it's called the Yelberton or something like that. And, and my wife Annie is a great um, uh, sort of um, decider of what's suitable and what's not. And we got to put in this room and it was made, it was not suitable, you know. <laughs> So eventually we we got this uh, we got this sorted out and on the on the the Monday morning up the garden path comes Phil and Rhonda 
who was had been appointed as the kind of uh, administrator and um you know just and and we just gelled it was kind of it's almost as if it would just kind of uh, you know and the monday morning session where we told each other the the most questionable jokes um and kind of had a good laugh was the was the the start of the week for us you know and uh, and it was just so enjoyable and yet so so it was such a uh, a commitment really to to what uh, we all had agreed would be the the most important issues about the, about the school yep so um as i said i've mostly learnt uh, of you through stories through other people's stories many many of them and I think one of the common threads in your in the stories about you is a humility um, and a cheekiness, um, I think. <laughs> um, what would you tell, um, you know, young doctors and medical students today, what would be your kind of words of wisdom about what's coming up? And I mean, it's an interesting time in the world because we've just all been completely blindsided by a pandemic and had to really, you know, think on our feet and change things rapidly. But so you never know what's coming. What's what's some of your advice to people about how they kind of, you know, move forward through their careers? Well, it's 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 all about. Um, I mean, I think this this huge opportunity in in these so-called disastrous situations. I mean, I, I keep thinking back to um, 1997, and my I, I was. Uh, in 1997, after having worked for about a year in Malaysia in a sort of an industrial estate in a place called Ipoh, uh, trying to work out a, a curriculum for between a, a, a British university and a, a Malaysian private company, um, and eventually they they just it all collapsed, and they said sorry, you'll just have to go home. Um, uh, you know, so we, we, we kind of, um, I, I was taken to the airport in, in, um, in Kuala Lumpur by a chauffeur who had just lost his job. The, the, the private company in, in Malaysia didn't give him anything as a sort of, uh, you know, redundancy or anything. I gave them the last of all my uh, <laughs> Malaysian money. <laughs> and, oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. You know, it's total peanuts as far as I was concerned. Uh, and I came back to Dunedin, didn't have anything to do. Um, what do you do? Oh, you look for something to do, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're sort of, you're, you're glad that you're a, you're a doctor, at least, you know, you're never, you're never going to be without anything to do. Mm. Unless you're too old to do it. <laughs> you're, you're going to have something to do. And I went to see these, you know, they, and at that time, rural practice in, in New Zealand was in, on its knees. Um, and uh, these two young guys, I mean, they're all 20 years younger than me. And uh, when I applied, they just about fell flat in their face and stuff. I said, um, will I send you a CV? And he said, 
what's that? <laughs> and I said, well, do you want me to have a, do you want to have a formal application? Why? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's all about, you know, okay, when, when can you start, you know, uh, and, and, and you go on with it, you know, you, yeah. you, you, you sort of, um, so this whole kind of, uh, and, and if any, when you think about it, that was the, uh, that was, I didn't have any experience in rural medicine at that point. So uh, plenty of experience of being a professor and, you know, academic general practice and all that stuff, stuff, rural medicine, rural practice, so aged sort of 50, uh, 56, you know, I got involved in, in rural medicine for the first time. Um, and I think one of the, a lot of the kind of legends of, of Campbell Murdoch that are still, you know, still brought to surface a lot are about what to do when someone says you can't or somebody says, no, that won't work. Um, so if people are facing, you know, naysayers in whatever their chosen path is, what's your, what's your wisdom for them? Yeah, I think it's finding the way of, of um, them deciding that they want to do what you want them to do. I mean, I think earlier on in my career, I mean, I think this is one of the things, by the time I got to um, uh, Kalgoorlie, I had chewed through a few medical schools in my life. <laughs> yeah. I, had, I had really kind of, I, I'd obviously started in Glasgow where it was my own medical school. I, I, I kind of, uh, I got involved with teaching pediatrics in the, uh, you know, to medical students. And, and I've got a successful way of doing that. I went to Dundee and I um, got involved, for example, in the behavioral science course, which was where the medical school was and using patients as teachers, uh, et cetera. Um, and then I came to Dunedin, which was probably the most conservative medical school in the world. Uh, and uh, they kind of, by that time I was beginning to get the techniques that, that you know, you don't, you don't just sort of go full head at people. You've got to be kind of a bit more devious about the whole thing. So they said, for example, in Dunedin, they said, well, we think that, um, a, you know, general practice should be part of the final examination. Oh, thank you very much. How are you going to do it? Do it? And I said, well, I'll just, I'll just go around all the departments that are examining and find out what they do and, and uh, see if what we can come up with. You know, and and, and the, the, the times when you, you got from time to time, you go into that kind of conf confrontational thing. You know, I remember in Dunedin, there was a big, I got involved in a big uh, argument about whether the students in fourth year should have lecture courses all the time on, on clinical medicine. And, um, this, you know, big meetings about what should be done and whatnot. And I remember I, a, a rheumatologist professor coming up to me and said, you have been responsible for denying our students 
lectures from a world-renowned neurologist. You'll never be forgiven for that. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, see, you sort of, but, but I think the important thing is, is to, to remember that um, if things are going to go your way, and sometimes they don't go your way, They'll go your they'll go your way anyway. I mean, you you know you you you've got to make sure that you you allow people enough. Um, the ideal thing is to get them to believe that it was their idea in the first place. <laughs> you can't always you can't always do that, but you know that, that's, I mean going back to that for example that Wonka conference in 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 two thousand I talked about. I went to, I saw this video of, uh, from Dunedin about what they're doing with medical students. And I saw the bloke, one of the blokes who had been the biggest opposition to me in Dunedin when I was there, actually saying to the world, you know, the ideal place to teach medical students is in the community and general practice. I couldn't believe it. You know, you know isn't that amazing? <laughs> and, and that's the ideal uh, and lots of fun. I mean, with lots of good examples of it with Notre Dame, for example. Uh, within UWA, there was this great movement, let's crush them, you know, so let's refuse them everything, and, you know, they mustn't start a medical school in, <laughs> in opposition to us. And, and um, in my view, was quite quite the opposite to that. It was, Okay, yes, it's good that you're coming, but, you know, if you found it difficult to set up a rural course for your students, we'd be really quite happy to take your students, and and, and why don't you become part of us, you know, um, and, and and that worked very well. I mean, it was, it was, the early signs were it was going to be a nuclear war and you know sort of <laughs> total devastation on both sides but it, it came together so easily um and it, it's it's that kind of there's a lovely scottish word that's it's it's called someone is being very fly so you just kind of you just got to be pretty kind of uh, you know, just give it a few thoughts and how can you do this and make it, how can you, um, it's almost like how can you torture people and, and make them feel they're enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> Money as well. I mean, people, I've heard so many stories from from, from academics about how terrible it is we don't have any money and well, I, I never had any problems having money, getting money. My my problem was always having too much of it. Because <laughs> having too much is actually quite dangerous. People, people, people kind of, people will get quite motivated if you've got more money than they have. <laughs> David and you will probably, David will probably have shared with you the fact that our early kind of <laughs> the first year of our relationship, you know, in Broome wasn't exactly, you know, great all the time. <laughs> you know, 
I tell the lovely story uh, of um, we, we had our um, first introductory course in Esperance and David and I were having, I can't remember what it was because we, after that, we had this, a, a wonderful relationship. But we, we had a, we'd had a few words with each other and, and we and we were living in a motel at the end of, uh, quite near the, the pier in Esperance. And David and I went for a walk down the pier. And as I've said in the story, it was touch and go whether two people would come back. <laughs> <laughs> the two people did come back and everything after that seemed to be fairly rosy. <laughs> If you could go back in time and talk to yourself in an earlier part of your life or, or give yourself advice, would, would you do that? And what would, where would you, which part of your life would you go to and what would you tell yourself? Well, that's a really interesting, as, as they say in the, in the television, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, quite honestly, I don't think I, I mean, I was a bit of a rough, I was a rough piece of wood when I started, you know, I was a kind of, uh, my, uh, I was a boy, I was from a place called Muirkirk, which is a mining town in, in Scotland in Ayrshire. My father was a local headmaster. Nobody in my family had done medicine before. Went to medical school, did reasonably well, and wanted to do surgery but then the terrible thing about surgery was your patients all left you after the operation after the wound had healed up so I didn't really fancy that so I decided I'd do general practice and went through all these sort of um, processes of being slightly kind of molded in a different direction you know and, and, and it all kind of, it all, I mean, I suppose it depends on what your, what your beliefs are. What thing, is there a destiny that shapes our, shapes we go, we, the way we go in life? And I believe very strong. I mean, after some of the stories I've told you, I couldn't do other than believe in that. Yeah. Um, but, um, you have to go through the, the bad bits as well. I mean, it's the bad bits that make you a, a better person. Mm. You know, you, you kind of, um, and you make mistakes, you know, you sort of made some brilliant mistakes. Um, and, but you, you've just got to, the only thing you can do with situations like that is to make the best of them and, and, and learn from them mm. and decide that you're not going to you're going to do it a different way the next time. It's, it's maybe just a wee bit different, which again might f turn out to be disastrous, but you, know, you, you sort of go around a wee bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So if you started off as a rough piece of wood, what are you now? Oh, well, you see, this is one of the answers. You get to the point where you, I, I, there was an, an, an editorial in the um, College Journal uh, in New Zealand, recently which talked about was I've talked about a paper I produced and taught said that I was a disruptive influence on 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 ex academic general practice in New Zealand that is the highest compliment 
anyone could pay me. You know, he's a troublemaker. Oh, good. <laughs> you know, this, because that's the way that that's the way that we make progress. When it's over, get gone. You know, get out of here. Don't stick around and 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 queer somebody else's pitch. You know, it's sort of. Um, I always said that the greatest compliment you could be paid to any head of department is that a, a year after he or she has left, um, people will say, who was that person again? You know, what was his name? <laughs> you know, what did he do? Because that means that you've done things the right way. I mean, one of the things I used to say was that my 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 management style was the Chinese dish trick. You know, you the, the, the we used the stick with a dish and pop, and you got about six of them, or I suppose now it'll be fifteen of them or whatever, and you have them all stick and and you sort of just get them spinning, and every so often you go around and give them a wee bit of a, a jiggle. <laughs> And, and of course, and people will know that if things were, if the dish was going to break off, there was no way you would be left in any doubt that I thought that was a bad thing and you'd better, you know, get yourself sorted out. Well, I mean, there's a lot, there's, there's really, it, it's just amazing how in, in of course, I, it was probably only for about six years that I was, I was the kind of uh, in the head, depart, head of department role and was, was um, um, and and I'm, I'm I, I now suffer from nominal aphasia or dysphasia, so I, I find it quite difficult sometimes to remember people's names. But I've got lots of interesting kind of, you know, I think they know um, the kinds of uh, issues that we went through, <laughs> and some of them, you know, um, the the really interesting things when you get involved with people anyone who says that. You know the the um, the relationship was always wonderful and sweetness and light and all that. Um, it um, the, you know they're obviously lying about it. Um, <laughs> um, and there's one or two. I mean, there's probably a few people who whom I, I, I've heard. You know, you hear these things in in, in the grapevine. You know, people who think you are the you know the worst person they ever met and you know all that sort of thing and I would say to them that you know it was all meant for the best you know and I hope they pulled their socks up <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've pulled up my socks lots of times uh, in my career um, I think the, the thing that's really interesting just as a general point to to uh, you know, people who've gone through a, a school, a rural clinical school, is that um, being the head of a school is actually, and you probably, everybody finds this out as they get into a more responsible position. You get to the point where you don't have any kind of, it's not your own kind of um, ego that's being sort of sorted out here. It's you really looking to, to help uh, the, the patients they're going to look after, you know. You know, I don't know if you've had uh, the experience that um, 
I always find that I can almost tell who the who the doctors are when I go to in, in a public place. You know, they kind of, uh, and I'm not going to that too much. But the, the people have got to be brought down, not brought down to size, but they've got to be have a few kind of um, plastic surgical procedures performed on them to make them better, <laughs> fit to do the job. Yeah. <laughs> And it's better that they have it done by a, a sympathetic head of department than it, than some some patient taking them to the medical council or the you know the sort of uh, uh, someone suing them or you know that that kind of thing. So a bit of tough love. Tough love is very important in medical education, and and um, you know and, and I think that's. Uh, and I think the other thing that's very important is to remember that none of us is, you know, we're all pretty imperfect people. Uh, we're, we're um, you know, um, and, you know, I, I don't think I'm, you know, sort of uh, have been any uh, less imperfect than other people. Yeah. yeah. I always said that the thing that really prepared me best for being the head of the rural clinical school was being the father to my four children, yeah, you know, adolescent yeah. children, you know, and and uh, you know it's interesting. I've got four wonderful children, uh, all of whom are are um, we've we've got great, um, uh, you know, we don't have a probably a day when we're not in touch with at least one of them. We've got one living here in 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 Blenheim with. Uh, her husband and, and her two children. It's just a wonderful, wonderful to be, be near the family as they're yeah. growing up. You know, so, one, four, one, well, I, I must ask four, you a question three. about that because I um, my last interview that hasn't been published yet was with one of the MCs from down south, and she's a mother of four. Um, and I asked her how that worked with her career, and she pulled me up rightly so and said, "You don't ask your male guests that." So how did your adventures go with raising four children? Did you did how did that all play like how did you manage that to have such a Oh I mean as a, a medical educator it was it was really uh, it was an almost an essential. I mean I, I always remember my when I was about to be appointed a partner in my first practice uh, I said that my the, the partner next to me got up the thing wasn't married. I didn't have. I wasn't engaged to be married. You know, it wasn't a relationship. And I said, I, I wouldn't like to be in partnership with anyone that is a GP who, who wasn't. <laughs> Probably didn't mean that entirely. But being a GP and having a family transforms you, doesn't it? I mean, it's sort of you don't you don't get upset with people who come in on a so-called uh, trivial uh, request for. A consultation because there's nothing trivial about looking after yeah. children. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and as, as a medical educator, um, my children were always, uh, particularly in my practice days and when I was in Dundee, I used to have lots of medical students who'd come to the house and have lunch or dinner and all that sort of thing. And the kids would afterwards would say, "He's not going to be a doctor, is he?" <laughs> Yeah, and, and uh, you know, get pictures of uh, you know the children being examined and all sorts of you know yeah. uh, ways and whatnot. So, 
And, and then two of them decided they wanted to do medical intermediate and, in Dunedin, and neither of them uh, got into medicine. Mm. You know, and, and I mean, um, why? I have absolutely no idea. Uh, but, you know, but that whole kind of, the whole process of, of um, as a doctor, I mean, you've probably had experience as well. People people come to you and say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm anxious, I'm worried, and what's wrong? Well, it's my 17 year doctor. And so, why are you worried about you tell you what the 17 year old doctor's doing? All right. So, I mean, and you, you you listen to the story and you say, oh, that's that's interesting. My, my daughter has said exactly the same thing to me uh, or did exactly the same thing. And you're not worried about that. No, I'm not worried. Why should I be worried about it? That's what we call normal uh, adolescent behavior. And um, and that that's very therapeutic. Yeah. And, and do you think, how, how did your children view your career? Did they enjoy the adventure aspects that came with a, uh, a dad who was, you know, juggling a lot of different career prospects and going on some adventures? Yes, I mean, I think that as a doctor um, is quite interesting. I mean, I hadn't realised um, a lot of their friends used to bring their medical problems to them because <laughs> I was a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, even even yet, I mean, I know that if the phone rang just now and my eldest son was trying to get in touch with me, it would be about some medical problem in the family, <laughs> <laughs> which has become quite a bit of a joke. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're all they're all. I mean, what the, the greatest joy now is the grandchildren because they're we've got a. 16 year old granddaughter who's told me she wants to become a GP and I've got a four-year-old grandson who says he wants to be a doctor yeah oh wonderful <laughs> uh, you know that that kind of uh, um, and it, the great thing is that neither of none of them have actually followed me as a in, into medicine I mean my my eldest son's a high school principal in, in Porarua in New Zealand uh, then my elder daughter is a crown prosecutor in Auckland. My um, son, um, my younger son is uh, heads up a thing called Natural History New Zealand, which is a film company in Dunedin. Uh, and my younger one, uh, my youngest daughter, is a barrister here in in Dun in, in Blenheim. So they've all got different careers, but. Um, you know, are, are, and, and all have the the, uh, the joys and sorrows of every that every career brings along with it. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's really quite uh, quite an interesting journey that we're all going through at the moment. It is. It's an interesting time. <laughs> As we recorded this episode, Campbell told me that he'd like to write a book about his experiences and get down some of this wisdom in writing. And I would encourage him to do that because I'd be first in line to buy the book. And I'm sure a lot of you would like to read it too.
and uh, but um, it's it's a really again part of the rich tapestry um, that we call life. I'm I'm trying to at the moment trying to get myself motivated to write a, a an autobiography. Yeah, I think you definitely uh, should. You know, this, this kind of activity makes me even more. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> well, what I could incorporate, I mean, this, I, I still, I get quite, uh, some of these stories are really important because, um, you know, the, particularly the ones about um, the early days, because um, there's lots of good, um, good advice in them. Yeah. I mean, I remember, um, I still communicate with, um, <clears throat> with um, Max Kamian. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> who of course was very much involved in the uh, with David in the you know the early days to getting the thing up and running and um, some of the stories there are really quite good as well yeah thank you very much for being with us on docography uh, it's wonderful to have you as the as the first head of school of the rural clinical school in a time where we've grown so much and we continue to grow and the legacy that you have created here and the, and the team, so much of your team is still part of the Rural Clinical School and you've chosen beautifully. Um, so thanks very much for coming along and having a chat to me today. Oh, thank you very much for having me, it's been wonderful. <laughs> thanks. Thank you so much to Campbell Murdoch for giving us the time and sharing with us the stories and the wisdom and the advice. He's definitely a straight shooter. I hope you had some laughs and I hope he made you think because I think that would make him very happy if he did. Uh, if you've got any feedback about Docography, please drop us a line at docography at rcswa.edu.au and if you've got anyone that you'd like us to interview, we'd love to hear from you. And if you want any um, information about going rural and rural and remote medicine opportunities in WA, drop us a line at hubs, H-U-B-S, at rcsforsamwa.edu.au. Tune in next time to hear an interview with Lorraine Anderson, the Medical Director of the Kimberley Aboriginal Medical Services, to share some of her wisdom. See you next time.